welcome back, literary slummers, to another episode of Hate Read. I'm one of your morphs, Anna. And I'm another one of your morphs, M. We are on the second week of our Hate Read slummer reading assignment, where we are mm-hmm. revisiting the Animorph series by K.A. Applegate, um, a series which Anna has read as a child, but I have never read before. Uh, this fortnight, we're covering... Animorphs number two, The Visitor. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which yeah. I was like, the, the the titles of some of these, I'm not really seeing the connection. Who no. here was The Visitor? No, I'm not <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess I guess Rachel to the Chapman's house, you could kind of, kind of consider. I guess, she yeah. Visited she visited them. She, she did invade their home. Yeah, invasion. That's already taken, though. I think that was the first one. So. Shit, that was the first one. <laughs> And then the second one is like, or the third one is like the encounter, which again, um, there were a few encounters. I mean, reading I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead, but we we are recording two episodes in one day, so, um, <laughs> so we've read, we ahead. have read that one. <laughs> 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 and also, I didn't really understand what that one was referencing to. Well, we can but. definitely get to that in about an hour, hopefully an hour here. I do want to preface by saying, um. So when we started this whole project, we were like, oh, this will be easy. We can like do quick episodes and it won't take up as much time and we can do two episodes in one day and, you know, be able to have weeks off this summer that way. Um, Mm -hmm. So we recorded the first episode a couple weeks ago and... (laughs) It was an hour and 45 minutes long. Um, Just like longer than some of our regular episode lengths. I haven't edited it yet, so I don't quite know what's going to be in there and what isn't. Um, So (laughs) uh, hopefully everything makes sense in this episode because I I assume some shit's going to get cut, but... You know, maybe not. Maybe I'll just leave it as is and you guys Just will. leave the rough cut. Let everyone hear how awkward we are, especially because we had a really severe lag, I think, for that recording, too. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's already real, real rough. <laughs> I've edited about five minutes, and I'm already ready to, like, delete the whole thing. But... <laughs> the lost episode of Animorphs. But yeah, so if we mention some stuff in this episode that doesn't make sense, sorry, but that's just the nature of how we're recording stuff this summer. Sorry. <laughs> It, the Animorph series starts with book number two, The Visitor. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird choice on Applegate's part, but here we are. Very uh. <laughs> bold, very bold. I don't know if it's going to pay off, but we'll see. Yeah, very innovative. Yeah, you know, like some people like to have a lot of like explanation as to like yeah. characters and maybe the origin of powers and stuff like that, but nope, not Applegate. She's just like, mm. You'll figure it out. I think it also, it kind of like by having a start with book two, it kind of like mirrors the feelings that these these Animorphs are going through, that they're like plunged into the situation without any context, you know? And I think that that's kind of what Applegate was trying to, it's kind of like a metatextual sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely, totally agree and follow that 100%. (laughs) Uh, let's get into the summary so that this episode does yeah. not end up being an hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, The Visitor, book number two. It's a Rachel POV. Um, Ooh. Rachel is, of the two, the pretty girl of the two girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as we kind of uh, kind of hinted around, so Rachel, Rachel has been given an assignment um, to dig up some info on Chapman, who, if you remember from the first book, is their assistant principal, who is a controller, confirmed controller. 
Um, and she's going to do that by mm, exploiting her friendship with Chapman's daughter, Melissa. Um, except Melissa has not been her usual self lately. She and Rachel have drifted oh. apart as friends. It's very difficult to get info from her old friend, Melissa, so she has to do some subterfuge. This was where, like, I guess I didn't understand why they were like, mm-hmm. the best way to get info is to become, like, a really conspicuous house pet. As opposed to, like, just become, like, a rodent or, right. <laughs> like, a lizard again. Like- well, okay. I can think of a... The question is kind of answered by something that happens later, I think. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Specifically the Jake of it all and how stupid that idea the was. The Jake of it all. It so <laughs> Jake continues in this book to be the dumbest fucking Animorph and the worst at his job. <laughs> Um, I don't think he's ever going to be most valuable morph. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Jake is dumb and bad. Um, but I think part of it's like, okay, yeah, if, if, okay. So if the controllers know that there are anamorphs around, or not anamorphs, I guess, because they don't call them anamorphs. They just think they're andalites, right? So the controllers right. think there's like rogue andalites running around that are, can morph into animals. So if you are in a house and you know there is supposed to be a cat in that house, you're theoretically not going to be worried about said cat because you know the cat's supposed to be there. But if, like, Mm -hmm. a random rat, like, keeps kind of skittering across your path, that might be more like, oh, I think that dude's... And I mean, these kids are stupid and aren't good at hiding. So like, <laughs> this is true. I don't think we, I think probably the cat is the better option compared to like, oh, let me turn into a tarantula. He won't notice that. Cause like he would, <laughs> he, I guess, but he does like immediately jump to the conclusion that the cat isn't that family cat. It is the Andalite, well, Andalite, but Animorph. Like he immediately jumps to the conclusion that this is a spy in the household. Which well, it's not, like, it's not him that jumps know. to the conclusion. It's the, um, because, okay, so there's Chapman, who is inhabited yeah, by, what's his face? And then, he, and he's York. like, no, no, it's the family cat, because she goes back a second time. So he, so the plan yeah. does work, because he's like, no, it's the family cat. Like, the kid will be really pissed at me if we kill the family cat. It's just the family cat. Oh, yeah. Cat. No, but, like, Visser's three, Visser 3 is immediately, like, kill it, because it's probably the Andalite. <laughs> And Chapman's like, mm, but it might not be, so. I think at this point, Mr. 3 thinks that about all animals. <laughs> Pretty much. He's just going around. And we see more of this in the next book, too. But he, like, is yes. just going around and killing everything that moves. Yes. He's like, mm, and like, pew. <laughs> no, that was just a butterfly, sir. That was, um. that was not an Andalite. That was one of the Hork-Bajir soldiers. Like, could have been an Andalite. Can't Don't trust know. anybody. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this is the plan. So Rachel's gonna sneak into Melissa's house by morphing into her cat Fluffers. Which is a bad name for a cat, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Melissa so is an irresponsible cat owner. I wanna point that out. <laughs> we are told that Fluffers is just like terrorizing the local fauna too. Like yes. he's just eating everything around. So right. it's <laughs> not Fluffers good. is not a great cat. Well, I'm probably he's very probably a very good cat because he is successfully killing. He's good at a lot cat things. things. Yeah, so he's good cat, bad owner. It is the human's <laughs> job to make sure that their cat is not destroying the native environment. Like, 
so they have to come up with the, first of all first that's the first scheme but the second scheme is fluffers is stuck in a tree so how are we gonna get it down <laughs> and so they decide the the easiest way to do this is if tobias hawk boy tobias flies to catch a shrew and brings mm-hmm. it back for rachel to morph into yes and then rachel becomes the shrew yeah and like taunts fluffers into coming down from the tree so that she can so that she can morph into the cat but like why yeah yeah and okay this gets into kind of my question on the morality of the animorphs because i assumed that the reason they didn't just use the fucking shrew to like lure out the cat was that they were like oh we don't want to kill an innocent shrew we'll get a lot into like the animorphs and their relation to killing things in the next book i think (laughs) but it just seems like very needlessly complicated like you already have one shrew just use that to learn put that shrew in the cat carrier and then be like get in here cat you know like why are you adding all of these extra steps Exactly. Or get like some fancy feast or something. Like I don't understand yes. why it even had to involve wildlife. Well, I guess these children are 13 and probably don't have jobs and can't afford fancy feasts, but eh, very like true. they've used all their pocket money that week. <laughs> Buying baseball cards and chewing gum. <laughs> so Rachel gets the cat morph and she sneaks into the house and follows Chapman into his secret basement lair. Where mm. Chapman, like, I guess Skype conferences with Visser 3. Also, though, I want to point out real quick, she gets the cat morph yes. and the shrew morph. So she has four morphs and everyone's like, wow, so many morphs. You have the most morphs of all of us. And I guess it's been like about a week since book one. But if I was a fucking animorph, uh-huh. I'd be running around touching every fucking animal that I came in contact with. I'd be like, honestly, every, every how neighborhood does Cassie dog. not have six zillion morphs? Yes, she has horses and like birds and wolves and shit living she has at her house because her, all animals she has all animals and somehow rachel has more morphs than her by acquiring shrew and cat i'm like okay <laughs> you guys are again you guys are bad at this <laughs> cassie's like mm, i got horse i'm good right <laughs> cassie is the ultimate I've... horse girl <laughs> how could there ever be a creature more beautiful and radiant than a horse <laughs> she <laughs> She's just like a slightly more emotionally intelligent Tina Belcher. <laughs> she only bothered to pick up the falcon when she's got or whatever because she's like, well, I guess horses can't fly. Wait until I find that Pegasus. <laughs> she, I, she's gonna, she's gonna figure out a way to morph. Maybe this is getting into series theories a little bit. She's gonna find a way to morph two animals into one, and she will become a Pegasus. <laughs> she will finally live her dream. And when she touches the rhino at the zoo, it'll yep, be a yep. flying It's on. <laughs> Uh, so, um, Rachel spies on Chapman's conference call with Visser 3, where basically Visser 3 is just obsessed with discovering the Andalites that are present on Earth. He also, like, goes on about how we need to get your daughter Melissa, uh, all yerked up. I don't know why she's like a 13-year-old girl, but it's really imperative that we do this as soon as possible. And, um... It, it, well, I'll get to that later because that's kind of revealed in the second part. But then also, um, Visser 3, like we said before, he notices the cat in the basement and suggests that Chapman just kill it because it might be an Andalite. But Chapman is all like, mm, but my daughter, my human daughter will be sad and it will blow our cover. So, so I know this is like a series written for children, but 
the adults and evil people in this are so easily swayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. No, nah, man, let's just not do it because my host might get sad about it. Like, you're a bad guy. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Rachel also sneaks around and finds Melissa to kind of, she wants to get more intel on why Melissa's always sad. And it's because both of her parents are controllers. Like, the mom is barely at all in this book, but it is mentioned that she is a controller. And because the Yerks aren't really good at emulating emotions melissa just thinks her parents don't love her anymore and she's trying desperately to find out why which well i mean wow, in the sense heavy. that like <laughs> the creatures it currently living in her house do not love her like she's pretty much correct like they don't yeah that is true but she doesn't know about the yurks yeah so it's just kind of tragic a little mm-hmm. bit so rachel like stays and purrs on her for the rest of her two hour allotment of time i guess Meanwhile, her friends are all screaming at her to come outside because they're like, you only have half an hour left. You have to come out now. And it's like, well, that's 30 minutes. That's a long time. Right. That's, a, that's an episode of TV. Just chill. Like With commercials. <laughs> I mean. Like, I, I get that things went really bad for Tobias, like, really quickly. But I don't think that, like, I don't think you need to be having a panic attack 30 minutes out from your, from your time limit. You never know what could happen. In those 30 minutes and the time it takes to walk out the cat door. Yeah. (laughs) And Rachel decides to go back to the house a second night under the guise of getting more information about Chapman. But really, she just wants to go purr on Melissa a little bit more to make her feel better about her situation. Instead of, I don't know, going up to her friend Melissa and, like, using words and being like, Hey, your dad's been kind of weird lately. Is everything okay at home? Like... Yeah. Like, literally, there are, you, you could talk to her as a human. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you don't have to be like, hey, I'm an animorph, and I was the cat that was purring on you for an hour right, last night. Right, That would be like, you an could, awkward like, conversation. You could find a different way to talk about this. <laughs> right. Because at one point, isn't Melissa like, you stop being friends with me or something like that? And I'm like, okay, so, like, maybe Rachel's just a shitty friend. <laughs> that could be. That could be. We only ever see her talking to uh, the people in the book. Yeah, and then the only reason she talks to Melissa in the first place is to try to get info from her. And it's like, okay, you you just said she was, like, your second best friend. Like, I don't know. And that you've been distant (laughs) lately, but I don't know. Like, maybe you should have tried talking to her before this. And, I I mean, to some extent, I get it because, like, the whole world is kind of imploding. But, you know, reach out to those that you care about and, you know, check on them. (laughs) Yeah, because you got to make sure they're not controllers. Mm-hmm. Like, how else are you going to know who to trust and who not to trust? So Yeah. <laughs> and then, okay, so she goes to Rachel's house again, and the gang accompanies her. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jake is not there. And they're like, oh, Jake got grounded, LOL. Isn't that so funny? But everyone's, like, being really cagey about it. And then Cassie does this thing where after Rachel morphs, she, like, pets her for a really long time. <laughs> because, guys... <laughs> Somehow these children caught a flea and Jake morphed into the flea and like went to spy on Rachel as she went into this house. Jake is so stupid. This is such a stupid plan because then of course what happens is that Jake, because he's a fucking flea, cannot see or hear or do anything that would be in any way useful. Like what? Exactly. 
what was the the literally the only reason this works out at the end is because the other Animorphs eventually created distraction. That's the only reason so yes. that Jake can go turn into something more useful. It's like, what were you ever going to do as a flea? Were he you was gonna... just being nosy and distrustful. Right. It was stupid. And then it, it gets to the point where it's, and I, to be fair, Jake did not realize that it would be this much of an issue that he couldn't hear anything or see anything, but he, to be <laughs> Also fair, he probably should have realized that because, like, it's a fucking flea. What did you think that it was gonna be like? <laughs> so when they get the perfect eyesight. when they get in there, basically every other sentence, like he's like, "What's going on, Rachel?" And then Rachel has to like tel- telepathically tell him everything we just heard. So it's super annoying yeah. as a reader. Like Jake is now inconveniencing me as a reader as well as inconveniencing Rachel on this mission. <laughs> But you know, added added words mm. to this novel, and maybe she was getting paid by the is. word. I don't know, man. The, the first <laughs> draft of this was like Jake just shows up at the end with the other animorphs, but then she was like, "Shit, I need like about this middle section made about <laughs> twice as long, huh? How can I do this? <laughs> How can I make this twice as long with by but still feel natural?" <laughs> and then like her she like looks over to see her dog like itching at a flea and like a light bulb goes on above her head. <laughs> what if somehow three 14 year olds or however old they are were savvy enough to catch a flea and then hold it still long enough to touch it? <laughs> like well, I, just, I would argue the logistics of it don't make any sense. I would argue once they have the flea, they can just put it in Jake's hand because, like, it's a flea. Mm. Like, I guess it could jump away, mm-hmm. but it's a flea. It's probably fine there. It's like it's a flea. It it's not like like I would say there are probably insects that would be harder to do this with. Like, actually, are fleas insects? I don't know. Bugs? Are they bugs? What are fleas? Gross. They're gross things. <laughs> They're but itchy. I, I think there's probably stuff that would be harder to do this with than like a flea, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a stupid plan. It's a stupid, dumb plan. Do you think they killed it afterwards? Because like, I mean, who needs fleas? Yeah. Well, this gets, eradicate this them gets all the time. to my question. One of my questions of the morality of Animorphs, right? Um, yeah. Which is, okay. So like the Yerks are evil because they go into sentient creatures' brains and take over their bodies so that they can no longer use the body, right? Like, that's... Correct, They're yes. essentially making slaves out of sentient creatures. Okay, we agree that this is bad and wrong. Um, the Andalites, and by extension the Animorphs, are good guys who can turn into other creatures, which by itself, that's fine. But when they talk about it, like, they are basically duplicating the consciousness of whatever individual creature they touched. So it's like yeah. they're creating so it's like an animal brain they have to battle. Yeah, so it seems like to me they are creating a second consciousness that does not want to do the things that they want it to do. <laughs> so it's like and then I guess that consciousness just disappears when they're done with it. Like yeah, is I don't this understand fucked up? That. I don't know. <laughs> Like, you could say, oh, maybe they're just, like, trying to talk about animal instincts. But, no, they definitely say, like, that when... So, for instance, when Jake became his his own dog in the mm-hmm. previous book, he was, like... He was Homer. He was, like, this place smells like me. 
And that dog looks and smells exactly like me. So, like, he was Homer. Yes. And there's still a separate Homer that exists. Yeah. But this is still, like, I guess that gets to, like, kind of, essentially it's cloning, right? Like, you're creating a clone of something with the same consciousness of that thing. Yeah. With all of their memories and everything. Like, is that, is that not... I don't know. I feel like it's not really that different from what the Yerks are doing, except that they're just not making a copy of it. Like, and then they're killing it. Yeah. And then it goes away forever until you next need, like you're pokeballing it. Right. Like, except in your consciousness, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It seems, it seems not great. (laughs) This is, yeah, that's real shady now that I think about it. Uh, Yeah. That's really dark. And it didn't have to be, right? Because it could have just been they turn into an animal and they are that animal, but they have the animal instincts, like you they said. They could just have the guise of the animal. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but they no, are. they do make this point of saying, like, I am Fluffers. Right. I am and it Homer. is like, it is like a separate consciousness to the consciousness of Rachel. It's two different beings living in one body at the same time, which is the same thing the Yerks are doing but we hate the Yerks and they're bad. And I'm not saying the Yerks aren't bad. I'm just saying the Animorphs are also evil. <laughs> Yerks did nothing wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to be very clear. They think they're morphing. They just don't realize that they're not morphing. <laughs> so Rachel goes into the basement again with Chapman. And... Chapman steps on her while he's talking to Visser 3, and so Visser 3 is like, mm, it's definitely an Andalite. That cat is in its own house twice now in this secret <laughs> basement lair. Definitely an Andalite. Capture it. Let's go. So Rachel and Jake are captured, and Chapman is, like, on his way to bring the two of them, well, he only thinks there's one, to bring them to Visser 3, Except Visser 3 also demands that Melissa be brought to his ship so she can be turned into a controller because it was her cat that Rachel morphed into. So I guess that means now she is a security risk and the timeline of yerking her has to be moved up a bit. I think I think the logic here is that they are taking Rachel Cat, which they don't necessarily... They're going to take Rachel Cat and Melissa is going to be upset about this, which is proves to be true. And so in order for Melissa to not blow their cover, they have to infect her, I think, is the deal. They have to yerk her up. Yeah. It's all like, I just don't understand why you would need a 13-year-old girl, 13, 14-year-old girl (laughs) under your control like that. Like, she still thinks they're her parents. The parents could feed her a bullshit story, and she'd believe it. I think, I don't think that they want specifically Melissa... Okay, so this is kind of getting into... Okay. So part of the thing that I really liked about this book was that we got more of, like, the Yerks and, like, kind of the structure of their society and uh-huh. whatever. And they mentioned uh-huh. that the Yerk that they're going to infect Melissa with is one of the Yerk that is in Chapman's, like, broodmates or something like that. So it's, like, his sibling, essentially. So mm. in my head canon, my assumption is they just want more bodies to put Yerks in and this would be a particularly good body because it would allow these two Yerks who already have a relationship to continue to maintain that relationship, right? Not like not like hmm. like they're they're already family, so like they're trying to recreate yeah, family yeah, yeah. units. And I think the uh-huh. mom is also in their family too because she's the same name as them, like she's Isil whatever. So I think like 
Mm-hmm. I think there's something here about like they they are trying to they're trying to keep it in the family. They're trying, yeah, like they're trying to. They, if you look at this as not just a we are taking over this world, this is a hostile invasion, but like we are trying to set up a new colony for us. It does kind of make sense that they would want like to try to put colonists essentially in the best bodies possible so they don't later have to move them around (laughs) right i hate this even more now (laughs) i'm really into the yerk stuff like they're super evil but they are my favorite apparently are you a yerk are you a controller (laughs) you'll never know i'm concerned i'm so concerned um but i guess it's all a moot point because the real chapman that's hidden inside the controller wrestles back control of his body enough in order to prevent uh, the Yerk from taking Melissa, mm. I guess. And But Rachel and Jake are still brought to Visser's 3's ship, which is at the construction site where they first met the Andalite Prince in the first book. Um, So they're all trapped up there. Jake finally like morphs back into a human and then into a tiger. Um, and Rachel stays the cat as the cat. Until the very last minute, for some reason. I was like, the whole time I was like, you just acquired a very small animal's morph. Why don't you turn into that small animal and get you and Jake the fuck away from here? Okay, I think, again, I feel like I'm explaining this book too much. (laughs) I think the situation was this. Cat and Flea were in an area watched by enemies. Flea got away Uh to, like, slightly further away the other Animorphs caused enough of a distraction that Jake could turn into a human and then a tiger kind of behind their backs and then come back. Kat was always kind of in the middle of these enemies, so she couldn't, Rachel couldn't go back to human without being seen as a human. And she wanted to. So ab- is it like, is that a rule then? You have to become a human again before you can become they, another animal. They specifically say in Jake's case, because I went back and reread this, because she tries to half okay. more for something okay. and it doesn't work. Jake, while she's watching, she can still see Jake because she sees, like, a human figure come out of nothing, which is, like, the flea turning into Jake, Mm -hmm. and then it turns into a tiger. So right now, they have to turn into an animal because he says he's going to double morph, and he doesn't. He turns into a human and then into a tiger. And then they say... So that must be what double morphing is. And I I believe it would be, like, (laughs) morphing into an animal and then into another animal. Yeah. And then Jake... (laughs) Later, they're like, Jake didn't have to turn back right away because he morphed. He had hit the human uh, zone in between uh, Flea and Tiger, whereas she couldn't turn into a human because she was always like in someone's view until the point where Mm -hmm. it was no longer relevant. And then she why turn into something else? Because you're good. I just need, like, a rule book about what the Animorphs can and cannot do. As of now, <laughs> that's my they problem. can turn from human to animal and animal to human. And that's it. They can do it in front of people, but they don't want to because then they, they would be found out as human, not Andalite. That's true. They would they would be probably captured and, impris- and uh, experimented on. <laughs> yeah. But, like, can the text just tell me? By the I way, you can't I, do that. I think it's all there. I think they said all of these things. I think it's just... I don't remember them saying that about you have to become human again. Human again. To be human again. I don't again. think they have... I mean, I don't think they have to in the sense of, like, I guess maybe if they get good enough at it, but it definitely... He says, okay, 
I guess it's time for me to get into this fight, Jake said. I'm going to try a quick double morph. Hope it works. Here goes nothing. Yeehaw. Okay, that's cool. Um, so that implies <laughs> that he's just going to try to turn into a tiger from uh, whatever. But then later it <laughs> says, it then I saw something happening in the dark corner of the cabin over past the horrific attacks on feeding frenzy. Something was growing. A human being was growing out of nothing. So that's right. human from flea. I just... I guess I just I just want strict rules. I need them written down, and maybe they could reiterate them every book, just like they do their descriptions of the characters. <laughs> we have the five rules of the animorphs. Can't last more than two two hours. This is probably getting into like theories a little bit, but I'm gonna guess that at some point someone is gonna figure out how to morph directly from animal to animal, and it's gonna be a big deal. I hope so. I can't wait for that day. That will that will really open up a lot of possibilities for them. <laughs> So the other Animorphs show up and rescue Rachel and Jake just in time by using some huge construction equipment. Um, And I don't know, like, they didn't really, or maybe I skipped over it. I don't know if they described how Marco and uh, Cassie helped out with their animal forms. I just assumed they were humans and turned on construction equipment. I think that's what happened, yeah. Cassie galloped up there as a horse and pushed the construction equipment. I don't know. Big Gorilla Marco did it. She galloped up as a horse and Gorilla Marco was riding on her back. (laughs) So fucking majestic. (laughs) Um, And then it's also revealed that uh, it was actually Chapman's wife was the one who wanted to become a controller like real bad. And Chapman was like, no, that sounds like some bullshit. And she's like, well, if you don't become a controller with me, then I'm going to make Melissa become a controller. And so Chapman's like, all right, I'll give up my life for hers. So that's pretty sad. And then at the end, like, Rachel leaves this note in Melissa's locker that's, like, typed out so she doesn't know who it's from. It says, your dad loves you more than you could ever know. I just can't talk about it. Peace. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) And that was this book. Yeah. Um, okay, I kind of forget our segments a little bit. Uh, That's okay. We have um, your most valuable morph. Who was the anamorph, the person who did the most work, or the best work, I guess I should say, this week, um, this fortnight? It wasn't Jake. <laughs> no, Jake did the worst. He's never going to be MVM. I'm sorry. Um, I think probably by default Rachel, because I think she's really the only one who morphed in this book that was of any note. She's the only one that did anything. Yeah. <laughs> this book was very Rachel-centric, and I was okay with that. I like Rachel as a character. We haven't really super gotten into the characters a lot this episode. Um, yeah, that's true. I think that like this did flesh them out a little bit more. Um Marco mm-hmm. is garbage, and I hate him a lot. Marco's the fucking worst. Marco's terrible. I'm so sick of Marco already. Jake is also oh pretty garbage, but like in a, it's not his fault that he's garbage way. You know, he's just, he's just not good at stuff. Um, Marco is aggressively no. garbage. Like he keeps making sexist jokes and stuff, and it's really annoying. Yes, and he's always whining about like I don't want to do this. This is hard. My dad's gonna be sad if I die. Right. It's like, we get it, Marco. We get that that's your character trait. Please stop talking about it. There's like literally a point where, because Marco came up with the name Animorphs, that someone says Animorphs, and Marco's like, ugh, I wish I never came up with that name. I'm like, okay, shut the fuck up, Marco. (laughs) Nobody cares. Stick your fucking bullshit. (laughs) Um, So Marco sucks. Yeah, I think it's probably Rachel. She, she. It has to be Rachel. Yeah. I like Cassie, but she didn't. She do didn't shit do shit in this, this book. She was just there. So. She put that flea on Rachel, so yeah. like, she was part of Jake's dumb bad. Oh plan. yeah, fuck you, Cassie. <laughs> and then Tobias was fine. 
Yeah, Tobias is fine. There are a lot of Tobias Rachel moments in this, which I sense will continue being a yeah. thing in this series. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, they are 13. Everybody needs to calm down. They are. She's And she's also only known him as a hawk primarily. Yeah. But maybe she's into that. So I got some questions there. <laughs> um, what about your most morbid moment? Yeah. Um, because these are children's books, but they're also a little bit dark at times. Yeah. I don't know if it's so much morbid as much as it is just, and I think that's kind of how we envisioned this segment originally, but like we liked having um, words that started with the same letter. So uh, yes. Alliteration is yes, fun. It wasn't, it's not so much a morbid moment, but it did like hit me really hard when, well, a couple of them, but I'll stick with when um, Chapman gets to talk to Visser 3 as himself. And he's like, mm-hmm. and he is basically like, I only agreed to do this because I love my daughter. And it was just like, I was like, dang, like this is really fucked up, this whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's rough. I say mine was kind of along the same vein. Like I was really uh, upset by this idea of Melissa just thinking her parents didn't love her anymore. Yeah, and yeah. She couldn't figure out why, and she was trying to fix the problem, but there wasn't anything she could do. Right. I don't know. It was just really fucked up. Yeah, and like <laughs> I, like we kind of said, like she, like Rachel has noticed that she is a acting weird and is like does not like the things that she used to like and like isn't involved mm-hmm. in school anymore. So like this is. Literally, this is a depressed 13-year-old who thinks that her parents don't love her. Yes. Although Rachel leaves her this note, her parents are still going to continue acting in this way for the foreseeable future. So, right. Like, there's nothing that's going to change. Right. So this is just her life so. now. For And because I happen to look up, like, the Animorphs' <laughs> ages... Um, this is going to be, I believe, unless like something, I mean, maybe something will happen with Chapman specifically, but like the Animorph series takes place from the time they are 13 to 19. So like this is. Holy shit. Yes. Really? Yes. So Dang. like this 13 year old is going to spend pretty much their entire teenage years in a very essentially like emotionally abusive environment. God damn. Yeah, it's fucked up. Wow, I feel so bad for Melissa. Maybe Melissa's the most valuable morph man. She just goes home every day and keeps trying to get her parents to love her again. <laughs> and they never will. And they never will. It's awful. Like, literally, if you think about it, like, if you oh. follow, and again, I don't know because I don't know what happens in this series, but, like, if we assume that this is the state for the rest of the series, that Melissa's parents remain controllers, um, if she's mm-hmm. 18, 19 at the end of the series... I would assume, unless, I don't know, like, maybe some shit goes down and maybe, like, the whole world finds out about this stuff, maybe. But if not, um, by 18, she's probably going to leave the house because it's a terrible house to live in. And then even if her parents <laughs> yeah, get de-yerked and are like, please come back, we love you, she's going to be like, no, you guys were shitheads to me, like, through my childhood. I'm not buying this shit about aliens in your brain. <laughs> I'm cutting contact. Like, so basically, yeah. her whole family's... Uh, dynamic is ruined forever. I'm pretty sure. God, I really hope they either save Chapman or Melissa gets a yerked just for yeah. her sake. Yeah, because like, then she'd know. Then she'd be like, I almost. Then she would. I know. almost wanted her to get yerked so that she'd be like, Oh, my parents do love me. They're just ha- they just have an alien eating their brain. It's fine. <laughs> They're just slaves, yeah. not in control of their minds or bodies. Yeah, it's it's good. It's fine. 
so God. let's get into theories. Yeah, what's your series theories? Um, so I want to continue building on my series theory that uh, the Andalites are evil, and uh huh, uh huh. I think I've it's I've, all it's all a tr- it's all a ruse. Well, it's not so much a ruse as that. I think this is all part of a bigger uh, intergalactic conflict that the Andalites have constructed in order to keep other species weak. That is that is what I believe is happening. Okay. Um, so that okay. they have a constant supply of essentially weakened species that they can use at their will um, to create these new forms. I think we've seen some of this in this book with the whole thing I talked about, about the fact that the what the Andalites do is not actually that different from what the Yerks do. It just kind of depends on your perspective. Like, if you think mm-hmm. that cloned consciousnesses aren't valid, like if you don't think that they don't deserve autonomy, I guess then the Andalites are fine with their morals they're fine um but i also want to point out that a couple things that there is a line early in this book when let me find it rachel rachel keeps telling tobias over this book and the next one that um oh the andalites are going to come and like fix you and help us and whatever and she says at the beginning of this book in her narration, off in space there were the Andalites, but the Andalites were far away, and it would take them a long time to come to rescue the people of Earth. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, what exactly, like, we know that there was some sort of space battle between the Yerks and the Andalites, which brought the Andalite prince to Earth. But if, the way that the yes. Andalites, are, the Andalite prince sold this is that the Andalites are, like, trying to stop the Yerks. They're like the last thing between the rest of the world and the Yerks and whatever. Um, if there was this big Yerk colony being set up, why are there not already more Andalites here to fight them? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Something is very fishy there. They, well, they did say that like they killed, well, they blew up the ship that was yeah. there protecting mm-hmm. the earth, Andalite ship or something. And the prince was the only one to get away. Right. Um, so I, my first question is how did they get information back to the main Andalite Mm -hmm. universe, world, planet, whatever. But also I have some insider knowledge on this series about another character that gets introduced later. Oh no, don't spoil it. all I will say. (laughs) (laughs) So we might have some more answers in about eight more books. Okay. All right. Noted. (laughs) I Maybe also fewer. want to point out that every time that they talk to, what's his name? Yisser 3? Y- yeah, Visser 3. Um, every time they talk to Visser 3 or like are around Visser 3 or whatever, everyone keeps like describing his voice and like when he's around them as like, it seems to make them feel like it, it has an effect on their emotions, right? And we saw this in the first book right. where they talked to the Andalite Prince and he used his telepathy to force them to be calm. Like, right. Right. So this is happening still with this other Visser three who is in an Andalite body also has this ability Mm -hmm. to force people's emotions to do whatever he wants, which generally seems to be fear. So again, I would point out that any creature who is able to just manipulate emotions to be whatever they want them to be. I don't know. I feel like we should maybe be hesitant to trust them when they say that they're 
there to save everything. Like, I just don't buy it. I yeah. think that there's some <laughs> sketchy shit going on with the Andalites. I cannot trust. Cannot trust. Well, is there anything else you have on this book um, that you want to discuss? Not really. I think we can wrap it up. All right. That wraps it up. How do we... <laughs> that, wrap, that, that wraps it up this week. <laughs> Next fortnight, obviously, we will be continuing on our Animorph journey. We will be reading book number three, <laughs> The Encounter. And yeah, so if you are enjoying us talking about Animorphs, come on by to listen to that in two weeks. Yes. Do we have a question for this one? If you are a human controller, hit me up on Twitter because <laughs> I would like to know how to get a piece of that, apparently. <laughs> We want more information on how your society works. Yeah. And you might be able to talk us into becoming Yerks. Who knows? Yeah, we we are weak-willed, so just let us know. <laughs> just let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could tweet at us at HateReadCast or email us HateReadCast at gmail.com. Uh, as always, thank you to Ben Cope for the Spar theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And... We are everywhere on the internet these days when it comes to podcasting platforms. So if you are using one and you're not yet subscribed to us or following us, you should do that on whatever it is you choose to use. If that is iTunes, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review. Um, And also just use your mouth to give us five-star reviews to all your friends and family because we're sure they'll love to also discuss a group of teenagers who can morph into any animal they touch but only choose animals like shrews and fleas <laughs> and not all the other badass animals at the zoo that Cassie has access to. Whatever. In the words of K.A. Applegate, I collapsed on the ground. I had escaped. I had survived. I knew I should have been glad. But all I felt was tired. <laughs> Rachel's such a brat. <laughs> more evidence of Rachel being a good friend. It was like her 12th birthday or some birthday anyway. Yeah. Especially considering that they're 13 right now. Like, okay. So last year. Yeah. You should know which birthday it was. 